go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Denver Broncos. This is the Broncos Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary and Broncos Wire editor, John Heath. Well, John, not a good one for the Broncos, right? Kind of a must-win situation. Bad day for Drew Locke, four interceptions. Uh, maybe he's not healthy, but, man, he's he's definitely not playing well right now. Behind center, their best drives are ending in field goals. They just can't get it going early in games. In the second half, I felt like the Broncos didn't feel like tackling the Raiders anymore. We can get to that later. What's your leadoff takeaway from this kind of blowout loss to the Raiders that is going to make it really hard for us to have any type of season now going forward? Yeah, the, the big thing for me is still Drew Locke. And- and I feel like a broken record because I feel like I keep saying the same thing over about Drew Lock. Like I still feel like you got to give him more time. He's played 12 games in the NFL, and so like he's still got four more games before he would have played like a whole season. And it's not even like a consecutive season. Hopefully, he'll be able to play this whole season. But like there have been quarterbacks, like even Josh Allen, his first year wasn't great. And yes, his first year was better than Lock has been. But like my point is, some quarterbacks they just don't have a good first year. But then the second year things kind of click a little bit and like with Locke you can say their excuses or reasons however you want to put it but like the Broncos played their fifth string right tackle on Sunday uh their right guard missed a couple games because of COVID they've got a rookie center their left guard hasn't been playing quite as well as he played last year their left tackle has a banged up elbow so that's probably impacting him a little bit they haven't had Cortland Sutton the whole year their Pro Bowl wide receiver his favorite target and they've got a new offensive coordinator and it's just been a weird year and he's he got banged up last week too he got banged up earlier in the year too and there's all the COVID stuff so like there's plenty of excuses slash reasons and I just feel like he he hasn't been good enough like clearly he hasn't been good enough but I still feel like you got to give him more time like I feel like he's going to play this week he is banged up but I think he's going to play and if he could play this week and the games after that like he's got seven games left this year that's almost half a season like that's a lot of time for him to potentially turn it around and just show some signs like show us like show the fans and show the coaches that you've got something that like next year when the offensive line is more intact and when Corlin Sutton comes back and hopefully it'll be a more normal year without all this COVID business hopefully next year we can go into next year and not be starting all over again going in our 10th quarterback since Peyton Manning so like I don't want to give up on him yet, but at the same time, it, he's certainly not trending in the right direction. Like he's not trending up at all. And it's just, it's alarming. It's like, you got to do something, man. This keeps happening over and over. But at the same time, you're like, I really don't think that Brett Rippon is the guy of the future. So I don't think they really have much to gain from taking a look at him. Like they can, but like I said, Locke's only played 12 games. Like it, I know it hasn't been good. I'm perfectly willing to admit. And I like, I've criticized him. He hasn't been good. I just feel like, it's a lost season anyway, so you got nothing to lose. Even if Locke is terrible and the next seven games, like that helps your draft stock. So in a way, it's kind of a good thing to be bad. And if he's not bad, if he somehow flips a switch, it's like, okay, I'm glad we didn't give up on him too early because maybe he is the guy. And also, like, I feel like if he's just awful in the next seven games, the Broncos aren't going to hesitate to move on from him because clearly Elway hasn't hesitated to quickly move on from guys before. They've had nine quarterbacks since Peyton Manning, so he's not not afraid to do that so i feel like this is 
this is crunch time for him. And I also feel like maybe it's not necessarily a good thing that they've been so fast to move on from guys having so many guys since many. There's been no, and they moved on from coordinators so fast too. So like maybe even if he's just so-so the next seven games, just go into next year, bring Locke back, bring Pat Shermer back, give them a second full season together and hopefully Cortland Sutton's healthy. Hopefully the offensive line gets it up so many injuries and so much COVID-related stuff and just hopefully it goes better. And maybe it's wish thinking and like i said if everything goes bad the next of the way which it will or it could <laughs> i say will i mean to say which it might uh, no i'm not editing but... that out there john not editing that out go ahead <laughs> no it's all good i mean to say if if things go terrible the rest of the way they'll we'll just they'll get a new quarterback and see what happens but i i just feel like at this moment i don't want to give up on him it it may be naive and foolish. I just don't want to do it yet. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I've seen enough. I've seen enough for this year. I'm, I'm not saying that I'm just going to like cut the kid or anything, but at this point, you're three and six. No no one from the Broncos should be talking about the playoffs. I see it on Twitter, but don't do that. Do not do that, Broncos country. <laughs> Mathematically. No, 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 no. Don't you dare. Three and six. You had to beat the Raiders, right? You had to beat the Raiders. This is a huge game, and the Broncos lose 37-12. to 12. And I, I swear, the team kind of quit in the second half, and I want to get to that. But you're 3-6. and six. There's literally nine teams in the AFC with six wins right now, 6-3. and three. Mm-hmm. So you're not getting in. You're not. You're just not. So it's time to see what you got. And I think I've seen enough of Drew Locke. This season, he's got seven touchdowns, ten interceptions. Didn't help those numbers on uh, – on Sunday, did he, John? Terrible wow. air mail. That was a terrible air mailed first quarter interception. Yeah, it's it like, was terrible. That one just that just kills you early on in a game. Like you want your teammates to believe in you. You th- you throw that ball. That's brutal. And then the interception right at the end of the half at the goal line when you're only down ten to six. Brutal. You just can't do that. You can't do it. I I, I just don't. There's something about. Drew Locke, the look of him, the way he carries himself. Maybe it's overconfidence. I don't know what it is. I just, I'm not in love with Drew Locke. You know that. He's just not my guy. And I don't see why, maybe Brett Rippon's not better than Drew Locke. Maybe not. I mean, I guess where they're drafted or, you know, was was Rippon even drafted or was he undrafted? Yeah, he was undrafted. And like, that's kind of my thing. I feel like he's undrafted for a reason. You never know. I just feel like he's not more than a really quality backup. But how like, do you, know? you never know. I could be wrong. Yeah. How do you know? Like, we've seen Drew Locke stink up the joint and play really well late in games when the Broncos are down by a million points against prevent defenses. That's what we've seen. But early in games when it's scripted versus scripted, the Broncos are continually down at halftime. Uh, I'll tell you what. If you're looking for a good sports wager, bet the first half unders when the Broncos are playing because they're not going to score in the first half. They just aren't. And it hit again this week. I've been betting them every week. I'm at the point where I want to see, I want to at least see Brett Rippon. I want to see more of him. I thought that game against the Jets on that Thursday night was kind of fun, John. It was an experience. It was a roller coaster. He threw a lot of interceptions himself. I'm not going to go and defend Brett Rippon, but there was something about him that I liked. And there's something about Drew Locke that I don't like. And I don't know, I don't know what it is, but at this point, you're three and six. You're not going to make the playoffs. As you posted on the Broncos wire, you're, you're picking number 11 in the draft right now. So if you can get a good look at Brett Rippon, maybe lose some games here against a brutal, horrible schedule that, I mean, the Broncos are going to lose plenty. They're going to improve on that number 11 draft slot, I think. They're going to be going into the top 10 big time. If you look at their schedule and the games coming up, why not put Brett Rippon out there and see what you got? If anything, just send Drew Locke a little message and being like, yo, this is it's unacceptable to throw four interceptions in a must-win rivalry game with your season on the line. I want to see Brett Rippon. I disagree with you, John. 
I I completely understand where you're coming from. Like, I think it's completely fair to be like, all right, I've seen enough from Locke. He just hasn't been good enough because he hasn't been good enough. And like, I get that. That's logical. I'm just worried. Like if you turn over to Rippon and like he gets the ball out faster and he plays decent and maybe he wins like two or three games or something, it's like, okay, great. But is he the guy? No, he, he, turn the ball over too much he he doesn't have a cannon arm like we're gonna go try to trade up for a quarterback or sign some free agency it's like okay well if you were gonna do that why not let Locke finish out the seven games like i know it hasn't been good and maybe the next seven games would be bad too i just feel like you invested a second round pick on this guy let him play at least 16 games to get a bigger i know it's only like a four game difference or whatever but i just want to have a bigger evaluation of him before moving on from a second round pick and (laughs) i i as i said before i guess it's delusional i just feel like you're not gaining much from starting ripping because i really don't think he's a guy and Locke probably isn't the guy but I feel like his chances are higher than Rippon's but I don't know what well, maybe Locke is so banged up that we will see Rippon on Sunday just because of injury reasons so if that happens that'll be interesting to see uh how that goes like if he looks real good I don't think they'll bench him even if Locke comes back healthy so that'll be interesting to monitor this week do me a favor John put out a Twitter poll and see what the people want do they want Rippon or do they want a banged up Drew Locke this week that'd be interesting to see the results I think the majority are, are on Team O'Leary here. They, they're they're going to want to see Brett Rippin. Uh, that's a good idea. I Rippin will post that. Rippin and Rippin. And I got to I got to remind you, John. You got to grade on the John Elway draft curve. You can yank a player early when you're grading on the John Elway curve. So <laughs> true, right, true. That's right. fair. More on this tough loss for the Broncos coming up next. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit him, start him. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from thehuddle.com. Corey Bonini with thehuddle.com here to talk to you about fantasy football strong plays for week 11 of the NFL season. Quarterback Jameis Winston versus the Atlanta Falcons. Winston replaces Drew Brees, who's injured and is going to miss at least several weeks. The former Tampa Bay quarterback has plenty of weapons, the familiarity with this week's opponent, and it doesn't hurt that Atlanta has given up the second most passing yards and the most touchdowns to quarterbacks in 2020. You'll see some Taysom Hill worked in as usual, but Winston is a strong play and has a lot on the line. Running back DeAndre Swift of the Detroit Lions is moving into that must-start territory. He was officially designated the starter prior to last week's game, and Swift averaged 5.1 yards per carry on his 16 totes, adding another 68 yards and a score on five receptions. Up next is the Carolina defense, one that was slashed last week by Ronald Jones, and he was the sixth back to get at least 25 PPR points in 10 games this year. No team has allowed more catches to the position in 2020. Another guy coming off a strong performance in Week 10... Willie Sneed of the Baltimore Ravens versus the Tennessee Titans. Averaging six targets in his last three games, Sneed's increase in action has finally paid off with a pair of scores against the Patriots Sunday night. He has Lamar Jackson's trust in all settings and is their go-to clutch receiver. Tennessee has given up huge receiving results in the last five weeks and mostly throughout 2020. This is by far the best matchup for receptions, 25 more than second place, and it's number two for yardage gains. Seven touchdowns have been scored by wide receivers in the last five games. Washington football team tight end Logan Thomas versus the Cincinnati Bengals. He has at least four targets in every game this year and 12 in the last two weeks. Even with a two-game scoreless streak, Thomas has scored 10-plus PPR points in three of his last four games. Prior to holding Eric Ebron to a 38-yard game in Week 10, a contest in which Pittsburgh's receivers destroyed Cincinnati all over the field, the Bengals had given up six touchdowns to tight ends in the previous four contests. 
Thomas makes for a sneaky play if you're desperate for a tight end. For more fantasy football tips, news, and advice, be sure to check out thehuddle.com. So, John, it's hard. To, this game was not, I mean, you look at the final score, it was a blowout loss for the Broncos. It really wasn't that bad, though, at halftime through the third quarter, right? But at some point in that fourth quarter, the Broncos, I felt like they kind of quit. It was tough. The body language wasn't great. The defense, I know they got a lot of injuries. They're missing a lot of guys, but they just, I didn't see a lot of compete on defense late in that game. They let the Raiders run for 203 yards, 41 carries, 203 yards. They just let the Raiders run it right down their throats. And yeah, the Raiders have a good running game, but Derek Carr barely had to do anything in that game. He, he threw for like 150 yards or something. That's a tough one, right? That's a tough one to swallow as the Broncos. I mean, that's this is a, a prideful organization. Fangio's a defensive guy. The Broncos didn't really have a chance in this game, and, and it's not on the defense. Your quarterback threw four interceptions, as, as we talked about in the first segment. But I don't know. I didn't see a ton of compete on the Broncos' side. I think you could see it. Deflation, kind of. I think they're kind of checked out there. I didn't think it was a great look. What would you think? Yeah, I, I think they definitely did get deflated towards the end there, especially after the four turnovers. Like, how can you not get deflated? Like, you want them to have heart and compete, but I get them just being, like, upset about it and deflated about it. And also, I feel like the Raiders are committed to the run. Like, they're going to run. So you expect them to be decent uh, running ball because they have been all year, but not that good. Like, you don't want to be that poor against the run. I think part of the reason is they still didn't have their main three starting defensive linemen. They won't have Shelby Harris again this weekend because he's still uh, on COVID reserve and, like, the amount of days he's got to be away from the team with that. He won't be able to play this week either. So I wasn't too surprised that they struggle against the run, but the extent they struggle against the run was a little troubling. But at the end of the game, the Raiders put in a lot of backups and the Broncos on defense put in a lot of backups too. And I was like, okay, I guess you just figure the game's so out of hand. Just It's like uh, varsity high school football. When you're down so much, you put in the backups, get them some playing time. And then Booker scored another touchdown and just made the score look even worse. Yeah. So yeah, like it wasn't acceptable, but I, like, I get the defense getting deflated when Locke is playing and the offense is playing. And, like, they got in some tough situations. Like, the special teams, like, allows a big return. Locke turns the ball over on your side of the field. Like, you're going to allow some points when stuff like that happens. But even with all those scenarios being part uh, factored in, I do agree that the defense has got to look better than that. You posted on uh, Broncos Wire, John, that uh, Von Miller still wants to return this season. He still wants to come back and play. And at this point, I'm like, why? <laughs> don't, don't. <laughs> because he's Von Miller. I know. He's Miller, and he's he's one of the best players in the entire league. And man, do the Broncos miss him. He's their leader. It's not Drew Locke. It's Von Miller. He's the leader of that team. He's the leader of the franchise. So, yeah, but I don't think you let him back, John. Just don't. Just keep him healthy. We should keep Von Miller healthy going into the offseason. So he's 110% going into 2021, which is the which is where we're at now for the Broncos, for crying out loud. Because if you look at and I don't want to cut you off there, but if you look You're at good. four of the next five games, this week against the Dolphins, a really good Dolphins team, which I want to talk about coming up. You got the Dolphins, Saints, Chiefs, and Bills. That's four of your next five opponents. So we're not talking like the Broncos are going to miraculously go on some like crazy win streak here. They're Like I said, they're going to improve on this number 11 draft position. I don't see the benefit in getting Von Miller out there. Even with COVID and all this stuff going on, like why would you put him back in the lineup, John? I, even if he wants to, I think Fangio needs to be like, yo, Von, let's keep you healthy. Let's go to 2021. I don't think the team and the staff and the coaches are really thinking about him at all right now. I think he's the like he just wants to play so much. I think so, he's the one driving the narrative. Like it's, he keeps saying, like, "Hey, I'm coming to come back. I'm aiming to come back. I'm aiming to come back." It's good leadership. And, I like that. 
if his timeline that he says he's on is correct, he'll be perfectly healthy in like early to mid-December. But being healthy doesn't mean you're in game shape. So I feel like even if he gets fully medical medically cleared, they I bet they would wait like two weeks to let him uh, – go through practice and kind of get his body in shape. Like they're not going to say, okay, you're healed. Okay. Run out there. You're like, you can't do that in pro football when he's had months away and just, he's not in football shape at all. So if he did come back in early or even mid December, like I don't think they would even let him try to play until late December. And then by late December, you maybe have one or two games left. And at that point, they'll be probably eliminated. I say probably <laughs> they will be eliminated from the playoffs by that point. And then maybe with that being the case, like Vaughn, we know you want to play, but we want to shut you down and then they can have that conversation then. But I feel like even though he's saying it's soon, it's weeks away from it actually being a conversation and we'll see what happens when that point actually comes. Will it be Locke? Will it be Rippin? Either one might have a hard time against this Miami Dolphins defense this week. Let's talk about that coming up next. <laughs> It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slippin' Podcast. I'm joined by Jeff Clark to break down all you need to know to bet on the Week 11 Monday Night Football game between the Los Angeles Rams and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Buccaneers come in favored by three and a half points on home field. They beat the Carolina Panthers 46-23 last week. The Rams, they're three and a half point underdogs after their 23-16 win over the Seattle Seahawks. Jeff, how are you feeling about this one? Give me the better coach and the better defense with the Los Angeles Rams. People took Sean McVay for granted and weren't high on the Rams before the season started, but he's got them tied for first place in the NFC West. And I still think the Rams are undervalued. And who's even got the best defense in this game? Rams give up the second fewest points per game and the fewest yards per attempt to opposing quarterbacks. I'm on the Rams plus three and a half. It's very evenly matched. You're dead on there. The Buccaneers, they have more offensive weapons for the Rams to cover. They keep them busy. They win by four points. All odds courtesy of BetMGM. Subscribe to BetSlip and Podcast on your favorite app. Please be sure to rate and review. All right, John, the Dolphins are going to come into Denver as a three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road, plus 102 odds on my app on the three-and-a-half line. So that's interesting. That that might be – that's an interesting bet. And I, I kind of like your preview article that you put up on the Broncos Wire. This is expected to be a kind of around a field goal, and that's what you picked. I think you picked the Dolphins. Good for you. But you picked in the win by around a field goal, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think I'm leaning Dolphins to cover. Maybe the money mm-hmm. line is the better play if it does stay around three points. I think it could move, though, a little bit. I just don't think the Broncos are playing good football right now. That's that's just a fact, right? The coaching hasn't been great. The quarterback play has been awful. And uh, the strength of the team, as I said, the defense, too many injuries or or just doesn't feel like uh, you know competing to the nth degree anymore because they just know the offense can't get it done, at least early in games. Th- these are tone-setting first halves that are just hard to come back from. Uh, so I, I do lean Dolphins, but... You know, the line tells me that at home, this could be a little bit closer than folks might think. What do you think about this matchup? Yeah, honestly, three and a half to me is a little surprising. Like, the Dolphins are a really good team. They've won, like, five straight games. They're 3-0 and with Tua, and the Broncos just have looked absolutely awful. So even though the game's in Denver, I'm, I'm honestly surprised that the Dolphins aren't slightly more favored than that. But, uh, yeah, like you mentioned, the defense has been playing. Like, the defense, it's a bad at all. They're not a bad squad, even being bad banged up they're not bad but like 
I alluded to earlier, the special teams puts them in a bad spot when they allow a big return. The offense puts them in a bad spot when they turn the ball over. And it's just all those little things add up. Like you're not going to keep people out of the end zone when you keep having bad field position and the offense keeps having fast three and outs and keeps having turnovers. Like you can't hold up against a good offense that long. And the Dolphins seem like they have a good offense. Like Tua seems like a game manager, but I don't mean that at all in like a negative way. Like he protects the ball. I don't think he even has a turnover yet. He's only played three games, but even still for rookie quarterback, that's pretty good. And he spreads the ball around pretty well. And they're like pulling running backs off the street, like out of nowhere. And they're being productive, at least last week. They had some young guy had a real nice game, and I think they got a banged up running back who I think will be back this week. So they're able to run the ball. Two is protecting the ball. The Broncos' defense has been good, but they've been put in tough spots, and you just can't hold up a whole game with that constantly happening. And the Dolphins' defense seems like it's been pretty playing pretty well too. And uh, if you watch last week, they did some stuff that really I feel like confused and frustrated Justin Herbert, who I think has looked much better than well, not just think he just has been much much. better better than drew lock this year oh my god and and like every, everybody's different every week's different maybe after watching the film the broncos would be a little more prepared but i feel like if the dolphins defense was able to fluster herbert you have to feel like they're going to be able to give drew lock some problems and with the decisions and throws he made last week you don't feel confident that uh he's going to be able to avoid turnovers against the dolphins so you're not too confident about the offense. The defense can't hold up with the way games have been going lately. So, yeah, you, you just don't feel confident about them winning this game, even with it being at home. Yeah, it looks like the Dolphins made a really good hire when they brought in Brian Flores, of course. Yeah, the, for uh, real. Yeah, the former defensive coordinator under Bill Belichick. So he's from that Belichick coaching tree. Flores has already built, as we've been talking about, one of the best defenses in the league over Miami. You had a good tweet, John, where it just shows what they do at the line of scrimmage. Just really no down linemen. You don't know who's coming. You don't know who's dropping back. They, Belichick used to do a lot of that stuff. Rex Ryan used to do a lot of that stuff, too. Um, so that kind of that's an old AFC East thing. Uh, you know, the Dolphins come in. They've won five in a row and, and they get a chance to move into a tie with the Bills for first place in the AFC East with a win because the Bills are idle. So the Dolphins got a lot going for them. I think they're going to win the game. I think they're the better team, even on the road. But again, I look at my app here, and the odds makers are begging for you to take the Dolphins at three and a half. <laughs> plus 102. Yeah. Plus 102 is the odds. So that means you're getting better than a 50 50 return. And that doesn't always yeah. happen, right? So why? Why do they want me to take the Dolphins at three and a half? That, that gives me <laughs> True, pause. Fair it makes, point. And it, it makes me think that the Broncos are, are in play for this game for some reason. They think it's going to be at least a three point spread because they're begging me to take this three and a half. And even though I want to, I'm not going to do it. So yeah. I think it's going to be a close game, no doubt. Yeah, like I in my official prediction, I predicted a field goal game, so yeah. I got to stand by that. Good for so you. then, yeah, that that covers the three and a half. So go with your gut. All right, John. Appreciate your analysis as always. Take care of yourself. Right. All right, you too. This USA Today Sports podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.